Hello, and welcome back to the One Step Paintball podcast, where we talk about the sport of paintball, its history, the culture, and the sport itself. Uh, this episode, I'm happy to be introducing a friend of mine, a good friend, old friend, Jeremy Martin, uh, who was an experienced 10-man national player from back in the day, as well as probably one of the best refs I've ever been refed by uh, and refed with, and probably one of the nicest refs I've ever cussed out on the field. Um, Jeremy, say hi to everybody. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, so, uh, in, in full disclaimer mode here, uh, Jeremy is who taught me how to ref, um, on the tournament side. And I, uh, consider myself a, an honors graduate of the Jeremy Martin school of refereeing. Um, and tonight is not meant to be a dig at any ref in particular. We're just going to talk about the pitfalls and uh, the etiquette of both being a ref and being refed. Um, and anything we talk about, we're going to talk about the, the techniques and not really try to call out uh, any individual refs uh, unless Burkhart is listening. And then he knows. He knows what's up. He knows what's up. All right. Uh, Jeremy, you ready to jump into the questions? Man, let's do this. All right, let's do this thing. All righty. Uh, how long have you been playing? Uh, I started, I played my first game in probably 1993. So, nice. what is that? 30, 30 years? Called, yeah, 30 years. <clears throat> so, right about the same time I started. Um, what was your first playing experience? Uh, I went with a, a church group and um, did not go to church with them, but I shot a lot of them. Um, and then I got shot a lot too. Let's just be, let's be honest. I got shot right, a lot right. and I did shoot a lot of them with a janky SL 68 two pump. That was probably, uh, chronated at, you know, 210 feet per second, maybe. And, uh, loved it. Loved it. Outstanding. So then what was your first marker? Uh, a Titman Pro Light. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, after that experience, me and some of my buddies, um, actually went with, you know, our friend Ryan. He was one of the ones I went to, I went with. Um, but we, me and, and our friend Jim, we went to, uh, I don't even know what it's called. It was the source ain't around anymore. It's like, it was like an early academy, right? We went there and bought, uh, paintball guns. I brought a, I got a brass single stingray was my Ooh. first gun and then after that i got okay. a different pro light and then you know it continues so you never had to do arm day because you were shooting those things you know correct you, it, none of the stuff that we shot back in the day was light no no i remember the first time i borrowed your your strange impulse and realized that there was such thing as a light impulse and it kind of just changed my religion <laughs> it was and it was only like a third of a pound lighter. You know, oh, it, was, it, it was way more than a third of a pound. It was probably a good pound and a half because they chunked off, chopped off a lot of metal. They took a, they, they did take a lot of meat off of that gun. You could probably still, make I two mean, shockers out of the metal they chopped off in the <clears throat> impulse body. Yeah, I mean, compare it to to you know the whatever pop it today, the LV two. It, it's right. ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think the LV two was the size of the sleeve that went into the two K two Timmies. Probably, yeah. I bet you're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what was the first tournament you played? Um, I played a three man, like a like a rookie three man event at Dodge City uh, with me, uh, 
Jim and my buddy Troy. So, <clears throat> so we, we, we played, we started playing in 93 in 94, um, Redland paintball opened on the street on the way to my parents' house. So oh, nice. Redland used is, is what was, what became the paintballfield.com, which then became avid South. Um, right, right. Now it was a different location, but the same, same owner, Terry, great guy. So Love Terry guy. opened the field there. Yes. Yeah, super good dude. And so we would go all the time. Like we'd skip school and go out there and build bunkers. And, you know, if we had pain or air or whatever, we'd just play some one-on-ones. Uh, we'd, on the weekends, we, we would go there until he finally just hired us. Uh, so we were referees there. So me, um, my, buddy, my buddy Jim, my buddy Troy played a three-man at Dodge City. No idea what the team name was. Just complete idiots. Uh, I think we did place in the top five. Nice, nice. Oh, wait, I remember Speaking that. Speaking of, so of Dodge one, City. Hang on, one thing at that tournament. Sorry. This is what, what I, the thing I remember at that tournament. One thing I remember at the tournament is you had your choice between Pro Ball, which is amazing, and uh, RP Shear Winter Blend. Now, this oh, was God. probably in April. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we still had Winter Blend, but it came out of the box. And the old two, like the old 2,000 round boxes came out of it in a, in a chunk. And I was like, <laughs> no. They, they were breaking balls up to put them in their loader. Uh, and I was, I had pro ball, which was, you know, blasting through trees. And I don't know if it, you, you never know if you, if you got elimination because it broke or they just got tired of getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great ball. <sighs> oh, the things I don't miss. Um, so no, speaking of Dodd, you see, uh, Hux is, is something somewhat coming out of retirement coaching again. No, I, and I haven't talked to that yeah. guy in years. Uh, I need to to get at it. I don't even know what he's doing since he sold the place. I don't. Even, I don't uh, I he's no he's idea. mainly retired uh, from from real life too. And uh, <clears throat> uh, the new owners of Dodge reached out to him, wanted to play some some tournament ball, and so he's back in the saddle teaching him how to play. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. If you find out when he's out there, holler me, and I'll go out there. We can go out there and oh, help out. Absolutely. Yeah, and I told him if I'm not coaching on the, my other responsibilities, to give me a call, and he knows I'm there. All right. Uh, so what's one piece of equipment or marker you wish you'd never gotten rid of? You know, I've heard past podcasters, right? And I, and I've thought to myself every time you ask this question, like, what is it? And there's, there's a couple different ones, but, um, when I went to play 10 man with Texas havoc, they were free flow sponsored mm-hmm. and I had a red and black acid, acid wash free flow. Um, I, I have no idea how many thousands of balls were through that gun. I mean, it guarantees at least a skid of paint shot through that gun. Um, and I, I got rid of it when we were, became a smart parts sponsored team. And I still, to this day, miss that guy. I look uh, all the time on like eBay and I check the nation every now and again, but really I'm just looking for red and black acid wash uh, free flows of that gun and i'll try to buy another one if i can but it's it's hard to find yeah so i, I told john this already so i want to tell you 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 two are the reason why i became a free flow fanboy um seeing you wear your free flow t-shirt to work all the time jeremy and i used to work together <laughs> at this horrible place that i'm not going to name um <laughs> got me right. like, I had free flow markers back in the day right and i couldn't afford them back then but when they they came back 
and they started doing, you know, they were going to drop 20. <laughs> I can't yeah. get into that fast enough. And then they started yeah. their new model where they just pre-sold for a day and whatever they sold that day is what they make. Um, I now own two free flow markers, brand new, made for me. And man, Buddy and those guys are just amazing engineers on the way they, they, the care they take when they push <clears throat> guns out the door. Dude, and it's, you know, it's some, of, it's some of the old guys too, right? And they were amazing to us back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I cannot say enough good about that company. Uh, if, if you can't, if you have the option to, to support them or even get an old gun and send it back to them, you'll mm -hmm. get it back shooting way better than you ever thought it could shoot. Um, uh, for, for the kids that don't know. So back in the day, and I'm talking mid nineties, um, before machine guns came out, it was, you shot an auto cocker or you shot an auto mag. Mm -hmm. And I was on Team Automag for years, years. I still, to this day, am one of the few people that John trusts to fix an Automag that comes into the, the shop or the store if he can't figure it out. Um, but once I got into a, a well-tuned, good shooting autococker, that was it. I even I built a mag a couple years ago with all the new fancy whatnots to not break paint. I never shot it. I went up selling it at one of John's scenario events and just cause I've got an autococker and that's, that's what it is. That's what I like shooting. Uh, to this day, there's <laughs> nothing I dislike more than being on the receiving end of a well-tuned cocker. Right. Cause you, you can't move, you can't give them an inch of target and, and gunfighting with that person. If they know what they're doing, it's probably a loss. Um, and I love shooting a well-tuned cocker because there's just nothing shoots like one. And no. you shot my free flow. It's, it's money. It's fantastic. It, it, yeah. I, here's the thing. I love machine guns. I love them all. I, I like it. Right. Um, the one that I own now, is, and I just was texting with John earlier before the podcast is an original uh, Gen E matrix before die bought them. Mm -hmm. that's my electronic gun right now um and i you know i primarily shoot my auto cocker my son's got a uh i think like an axe two or whatever i don't know but um i don't ever shoot it so <clears throat> that's my my, my primary gun and it's just when you shoot it it's almost it's like it's to me it's the difference between driving an automatic and driving a manual you're you're more engaged with it you're i, I think you're more i think you're more in tune with the game and, and mm -hmm. what's going on with with like you and the marker and your shot placement because they're not as fast um, as as the guns now. But when when it's dialed in right and you can shoot it right, it doesn't have to be. And that's kind of goes back to what you're saying. If if you get in a in a gunfight with somebody that knows how to shoot one, it, it, you know it's it's not great. It's not great for you. <laughs> it is. It is not. Uh, and it's easier to pull off some of the old dirty backer tricks that you taught me. Uh, with a Mac or with the slower electronic. <laughs> we're we're talking about uh, refer refereeing, Chris, not not. That oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, great, right. We'll 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 save that for another episode. Actually, no. Oh, we can, we can get I know you haven't time. taught me all of them, and then I haven't taught all you taught me because I need something to keep me on the field. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, for sure. I'm old as hell too, so I get it. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll skip that conversation. Um. <laughs> Well, I think you kind of kind of answered this one. Uh, favorite marker of all time. It sounds like you're still feeling for that that free flow. You remember what body it was? It was a you were shooting it was a dark, weren't you? 
Um, I did have a Lotus for a while, but this one was a dark. Oh man. Have you seen the new darks? I have, I have, it's real similar. It's real similar. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ed actually dove into his sticker stash to make sure all the new darks had proper jewels on. (laughs) Again, it's the, the attention to detail, right? Right. Um, okay. What's one thing you'd like to see brought back? Um, you know, everybody's going to say, a lot of people say you're seven man, 10 man, five man, whatever. I don't, I don't care what the, 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 the player count is. I am a huge fan of like the half tech hustle that John does. Mm-hmm. Um, huge fan of the, the 10 man that's goes on at, um, the, NXLs or PSP, whatever the name of it is this week, like that relaxed, fun atmosphere. Um, and again, it's it, some of that is also because I'm, you know, no longer able to run to the, to the 50 off the break. Right. So I do want right. more relax, but I do think that is, is good for everyone um, because it keeps people playing. Uh, and, and if you take the right people there, um, you know, it, again, it's it's one of those things where that's going to be the highlight of your year to go to go do one of those or or even play one of those events is is it's something you'll you'll talk about with your buddies for a while and and, and love it. Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. All right, so you kind of answered that one. Um, kind of figure I know the answer to this one too. What's one improvement you'd like to see to the sport? I, again, I thought about this one when I was listening with, with, with Sexton and um, we've all had this discussion about, Hey, we need to grow the sport mm-hmm. um, and, and that sort of thing. So back in, for, for the people that haven't been playing long enough, and I, I'm not saying this derogatorily, I'm just saying for people that haven't been playing as long as you and I, you don't realize what used to happen. Um, there was a team back in the day called strange strange was sponsored by smart parts. Mm-hmm. They got, tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars every year these guys would get a credit card a strange strange branded credit card that smart parts would put money on before every game or not sorry every game before every tournament and then depending on how they finish the tournament they get more money on that credit card they had a bus they had their own team like strange mm-hmm. team bus they had like the and the reason they could they could do all this and smart cards smart parts could do all this which is ridiculous amount of money was because there were so many people playing and buying gear. Now, there are still a bunch of people doing it today. Um, but to keep the, the tournament scene that you and I like and, and played, we, you need to get, obviously, the, the birthday kids to come out more, mm-hmm. right? They've, they've, they've got to be not just you know once or twice a year birthday players. They've got to be five or six time a year rec players uh, right. for stuff like that to happen. Now. Um, to do it, I'm, I will probably piggyback on what some of Sexton said. And again, this is just, I'm going to get a lot of head shaking and I get it and it's okay. Um, this is my old man, get off my lawn speech, right? Um, and this is to, to going back to your question, things brought back, brought back is, is more people getting into the sport is, is the answer. Um, but what I, what I think some of the barriers of that are, um, Back in the day when when you would go play, 
you again i'm the old man you didn't see like beer cans strewn next to where people were were had all the gear right right you didn't walk through a pit and smell weed everywhere so i one of the reasons why my son who grew up in a paintball household who i taught to snap shoot with a nerf gun and he would he would jack you in the face with a nerf gun if you weren't paying attention like one of the reasons he doesn't play as much paintball anymore is because i was like i'm trying to keep him out of that for now now whatever if he makes that decision later in life there's something i can do about that but um I didn't like the environment he was in. And I can see, you know, when Sexton's talking about, hey, we need to clean it up, make it more family friendly. I think that's just kind of part of it. Um, sure. And, it, and, I, and again, I know that I enjoy, you know, a frosty beverage, uh, just like a lot of people do. It's just, I think we need to, as players, present a better environment to the new players and moms and dads that are coming out. Uh, and save that for another time and not necessarily while you're playing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not anti weed by any stretch of the imagination, but sure. you go to a national event now and the parking lot smells like a skunk mating ground. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I've gone to, to tournaments here where the pit smells like, you know, right, so right. Um, again, I, I I'm all for, Hey, do what makes you, you know, do makes you happy. It doesn't, as long as it doesn't impact me, I don't, I don't care. Right. But, I, but I do think that it does, it is impacting the, uh, the sport in a negative way. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, I think that some fields that I, and I don't really know any examples, but we've all heard those horror stories aren't as welcoming to new players. And, and so they get, end up getting kind of, kind of clickish or you've got fields that are just geared towards one type of play and it's not really welcoming to other types. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And not every field has that, that bunch of old heads, like thankfully Abbott does um and a lot of other fields honestly uh yeah where they're welcoming and they're, they're ready to, to loan out gear and give advice and tell stories and, and all that good stuff to try to try to grow and, and sell the game because let's be honest we're trying to sell it to the new guys mm -hmm. whether we're, we're making money off it or not we're trying to support the local field and part of that is doing a sales job um yeah we're i think what what some people realize and what some may not at this point, I realized it yet, right? Well, like you said, you're doing a sales job. It's all of our responsibilities to support the mm -hmm. local fields, whomever it is. And then we have to be one that we even play it. It doesn't matter. But, but supporting it in that we're trying to grow the player base to get more people to go out there because we right. need those fields to, to survive and thrive. So we have a place to do what we want to do. Um, right. And I haven't been it, I haven't been somewhere lately where. Um, there hasn't there where there's been somebody show up with no clue and people just kind of ignore them, right? I've everywhere I've seen now, people if they show up with no clue, like, hey, come over here, play with us, or hey, let me that rental's not working right here, let me take care of it for you, or whatever. Right. And I like seeing that camaraderie and that that you know, um willingness to help and be involved and make sure people have a good experience. That's what we all need to do. And if it only even if it just takes, you know, five minutes out of our day to do that that makes a difference whether we know it that day or the next time they go play, it makes a difference. Right. Like, like Ryan keeps saying, reach one, you know? Um, yeah. 
All right. So what's your favorite paintball memory? Um, I, again, I knew it was coming, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say there, there are many, it's a PG 13 podcast. So we, we, we need to be careful, but I'll just say this. My favorite paintball memory was all of the travel that I did with the guys um, mm-hmm. that in none of it really at that point didn't involve paintball, right? It, but it's, it's all the time spent in that janky minivan. It's all the time spent, you know, six dudes deep in a hotel room because uh, we are, you know, flat broke and, but we're going to go play this tournament in, you know, nowhere, Missouri. Um, it's, it's all of those times and the, the dumb stories that we had in the car. And, you know, I've got, I've got a, like a, a I, I had one time I had it typed up. It was like a half page long list of shotgun rules that we followed <laughs> when we call shotgun on road right. trips, man. It was, but it's just like those times, like the, the grind is my favorite part. And people, you know, talk about how, how, how hard the grind is. And it is, you know, to, to, Hey, this weekend, my girlfriend wants to do so-and-so, but my team's got practice in Dallas. Right. Well, I, I'm gonna have to tell her I got to go practice or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the holdup is right. The grind is my favorite memory because that's where you make all of the other memories. And that's where you make these, um, you know, friendships that last a lifetime with these people. Um, it's not, it's not, yeah, winning is great and, and, and I've done it and I love it, but I wouldn't trade the grind for the wins or, or the wins for the grind. I'd rather have the grind, you know? Yeah. That, that, those moments with the, with the boys and girls are just what brought me back. Honestly. Um, that's what I didn't even know I was missing. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think that's why when, when guys like you or I, or, or, several others and it, and it's fields all over, right? It's not just, just our community, but it's, it's all over. You get those, those more experienced players out and the stories start flowing and you kind of see eyes light up, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, okay, grandpa, go back to sleep. People mm-hmm. just kind of start gathering, right? And the crowd yeah. gets bigger, the more stories you tell. Um, it, Cause I think people, people want to experience that. Um, well, and yeah, so, and yeah, then- the, those moments are, are hard to beat, you know, the, the, the carpool with you and me and Bobby G and, oh, what's his name that worked at, at Shaggy's getting lost in the middle of Wichita. <laughs> right. Um, so and, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. When, I only had you know, and... a couple weekends of those moments with you guys. And, and so to have right. years of that. Can't and like that. you said, right. When you sit down and tell war stories, like people want to tell theirs. And, right. and they're just as good. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and you can identify with it because you've probably done something similar. And if not, it's going to happen, right? So uh, the the grind is is really what I what my favorite memory is, and probably what I miss the most. That's I don't think I ever heard that answer from somebody. That's that's profound. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so let's jump into tonight's subject: uh, refereeing. Uh, Jeremy came to me with this subject. I am not trying to grind an axe for anybody or anybody who listens <laughs> to the uh, podcast. I did. Uh, and again, yeah. I'm not going to call out any refs by name, uh, except for Bubba. You can listen anyway. I'm kidding. Bubba, you know, I love you. Uh, one of the EXL refs who's really, really solid and loves to give me grief. Cause I'm going to be honest here. Um, I might have had a history, uh, of being verbally abusive to refs. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. 
Um, well, that was for the audience. You know, you were there for some of it. I, I've been on the receiving end. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you came up refing, right? And then you taught me and a bunch of other folks to ref. And, and we didn't do any of this, this zone refing thing. We kind of zoned up a little bit, right? It was more assignment, more matchup refing. Mm-hmm. So we got shot a lot more. A lot. A lot more. Yes. I don't want to talk about the about the X-Ball all-star match at Bunker Fest 3. That just that hurt. <laughs> you know they asked me at the balls for a second before that that thing, right? right. They're like, hey, what do we what do we I was like, I don't know, just keep it under 20. And they're like, okay. Oh man. <laughs> I'm sure at they one all point I just in, walked to the side and recalling stuff because it wasn't worth it because nobody was coming no. out. No. No. Not at all. And I don't think any of them were sober by the end of the match either. I guarantee you there were a couple that were that were just on a feeding frenzy because everybody else was was not. But right. yeah, it was it got rowdy. It got rowdy. Anyway, so um so what are your thoughts on what roughing has evolved into? You know, I think, I, and ideally, if you have you have ten players on the field, eight to ten refs, mm-hmm. so you can see, you know, my 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 rule has always been: you need to see, you need to be able to see where the paint is coming from. So if if you're in a zone position and you're on their right side, but they're getting shot from the left side of the field, you're out of you're out of place. Right. That's always been my uh, you know, the way that I raft. So that's why we'd move around a lot. And that's where you get shot a lot. And, you know, you can't, you, you can't just find the lanes and kind of stay out of them. You know, when you do that, um, that's extremely expensive to do. And it's extremely hard to get eight to 10 people who want to get shot all day. So I can understand why you do that zone. And I think if you had enough really good people who, who, who ref as a team uh, and, right. and as you do it a lot, right. You know, you was, we would do it a lot during the, the avid race two series, you know, you, I could look at you and know kind of where you were looking and what you were thinking and kind of the same thing, right. I would look mm-hmm. at you and kind of give you a nod. You're like, yeah, I got that guy or, or whatever it may be. And if you get that, that type of um, kind of nonverbal communication and, and thinking among your crew, it makes that zone a little easier and I, you see that, I think, with the NXL refs, because they do it a lot. It's hard to do on a local level because you, you almost always don't have the same people there. But it's extremely expensive to have eight to ten people at an event, uh, especially finding eight to ten qualified people who don't want to play um, to do that. Um, right. I, I when you do it, the bigger events evil. like... XTPL or Bunker Fest or, or, or an NXL event, you're talking five, six, seven fields. So you're now jumping up that number by, by a substantial amount. Um, but let's not pretend like the NXL is not raking it on entry fees. Um, yeah, I'm sure they are. Uh, but, you know, think about what their, what their overhead is. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're, what they're, I don't, it's been so right. long since I put in Excel. I don't, I'm not involved in that, but it's, it's probably quite a bit. Now, if you just say we, we took eight fields or five fields, we had eight referees. That's 40 people. 
You right. know, 40 people who want to go get shot for two days straight. No. Right. So but I think a lot of that's the other problem too, is they don't have a lot of, a lot of spare refs. So by the end of a two day, three day, four day event, those, those guys are exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, they've been dealing with, with heat and or cold and getting shot at and players and coaches with attitudes. Um, so I, I'm not feeling <clears throat> like the rough job is easy, right? Cause I've done no, it. No, and sure. It's not, it's not. And I truly believe um, I'm going to go on, on the record here. I truly believe that, that every ref is trying to do his or her job properly, right? They're not 99% out there to, of them. to yeah. shaft people. They're not out there to, to show that they're the one in charge. They're out there to just do the job that they were asked to do. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you that 99% of them. That's, that's the case for sure. But I, I think a lot of it is that you've got people that don't play much or don't play anymore at all, um, that don't quite adjust to the speed of the game. Um, and you have refs that don't want to run in and get shot. I don't blame them, but at the same time, that's what you're getting paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some refs are so hesitant about making the wrong call that they make the easy call like sometimes a trade is a trade and sometimes it's a lazy call yes 100 agree and i think that's one of my biggest gripes on zone refing is is twofold is it is it gives all the um emphasis to the to the aggressor so if you're the aggressor you're probably mm-hmm. going to get the call mm-hmm. uh and it allows for lazy calls like trades wouldn't it really wasn't a trade yeah you see that a lot in snake players um when when you watch events or even older professional events you'd see snake Mm -hmm. players get up and go down the snake and they'd take two or three uh before they got to the guy and trade it out and just run out of bounds and Mm -hmm. that's that's the lazy call yeah you know um which yeah that really really irks me <laughs> I, I think we had like a full hour long session training at, at one of your clinics one day for how to not have that happen. Yeah. And, um, and how you do it is you have multiple refs and one for each guy. And, you know, you have the, again, it's all about where placement and where you can see. So mm-hmm. at that point, if, if your snake guy gets up to run down the field, you're not running in front of him to look at paint. You're you're st- you're a few steps behind because you don't know what he's going generally. Right. So the other guy, it was on the other snake pair that it's his responsibility to take over your guy and you take over his, like we've talked about. So, um, but that comes to kind of what we were talking about, and and you've you've got to have that that connection and communication with your referee crew, and you get that by guys that are doing it long enough, or or mm-hmm. at least have have had the discussion beforehand and what, we, what do we do in this situation? Um, it also helps if you play, right? I mean, you, you, you can tell the refs that don't play tournament paintball uh, or haven't played a lot of it. And you can tell the guys who go, all right, this guy's about to get, get up, about to get up and go down and you either get a two or three pack or get blown up on the way. Right. Let's, let's get in position to watch it happen. Um, yeah. And, 
<clears throat> one advantage of being a tournament player or a former tournament player who goes to ref is you know how to read the body language. And when you, when you see that guy getting antsy, you know, mm -hmm. you know, they're about to make a move. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be the right yeah. move, but they're about to make a move. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you know, right. Or, or you're in your head, you're thinking, all right, um, if I'm this guy, what am I doing next? Right. You know, uh, yeah. And it's, that's the tournament player in you coming out. And I think, honestly, that even extends to, and I feel sorry, worse for, for scenario refs, right? Because they're one per 50, maybe? <sighs> One for forty. I, I I don't know what what numbers ASE uses versus what numbers other other places use, um, but it seems like no matter how well staffed a rev crew is at a scenario, they're just never quite there when you need them. Um, and that's yeah, well, because they're covering a big. It's like when they can. They're doing their job right most of the time. Right. It's right. just they're giving <clears throat> huge areas, or they're giving given some responsibility like. Watch this widget in case somebody touches it so we can score points. Yeah. Well, think about um, the size of, of Avid's North Park. Um, right. I think, what's the playing area? Like 60 acres? At least. It, it, yeah, probably at least. And on a big game, it's at right. least that. Well, you know, heck, if you've got 20 referees across 60 acres, right. there's, there's, they're going to miss a lot. Even you got 30. You get two per acre. You know, it's 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 crazy, and in thirty, I think is a, is a large amount for an event like that. Um, sure. So yeah, those are it's the wild west out there for those. Yeah, and they're having to to watch three hundred sixty degrees. <clears throat> and so the chances of a scenario ref getting caught in an even worse spot than a tournament ref are pretty good. I, I have seen guys have to cower in fear because there's a firefight going all around them. Um, yeah. They've got to watch have, the barrel to see if somebody touches it. Yeah. I, I have shot um, stereo refs in the face because they thought the best thing to do was get behind a piece of cover. Well, you pop out of a piece of cover facing me, you're a target. Exactly. You know? Exactly. But at the same time, there were, you know, 90 idiots with paintball markers in a very small area trying to kill each other. So I don't get mad at you for hiding, but at the same time, don't get mad when I shoot you. Yeah, um, go ahead and wave your arm out a little bit for you for you yeah. pop your head out there, guy. Great, great. One thing I will say about the current about the current zone riffing is is something I wish we'd had. Like, why didn't we come up with this? All the hand signals, right? Um, I don't yeah. know who came up with those. I wish it had been us because we would have probably avoided getting ourselves shot a few times. Um, probably would have avoided some arguments. Uh, probably would have avoided yeah. some some bad calls. Uh, I made yeah, some bad it, calls that you gave me a peace of mind for, and I, I we've all made bad calls. If you've wrapped, you made have. a bad call. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you haven't made a bad call, you either aren't working or you're lying. You, you've you've made it, and you're just not good enough to know that you did. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we you know, we've tried radios, and and those can have their own drawbacks. But the hand signals is it's it's great. Yeah. Um, it you could. From the sideline, if you're if you're in the pit coaching like an X ball match, you can watch the hand signals and figure out what's going on on the side of the field you can't see. Um, so the hand signals are are great for everybody, uh, and it really allows the the refs to communicate back and forth um, without having to blow their voices out in the first match of fifty uh, or try to yell over all the markers. Um, right. It also it avoids them. 
bird dogging players because you're not yelling, hey, check the guy in the Doritos over there. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of positives to the new refing, and I really do like the hand signals. Um, there's one you know, thing I do you, want to talk about. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, you just mentioned like bird like bird dogging players. That was one of my my pet peeves as a player. Was mm-hmm. you know if I'm if I'm down in a snake on my face and I look over and there's a ref three feet away from me who's following me around every knuckle. I'm like, come on, man. You know, they didn't know I was here, but now they do. Great. You know? Great. Thanks for announcing like, it. Exactly. You know, that, that's your, your goal is to not have an impact on the game. Right, know, right. Other than getting eliminated players off the field, you know, that, that's, that's your goal. Um, and so you don't, you, you don't ever want to impact the outcome of the game and you for sure don't, you know, want to, bird dog a player <laughs> who nobody knows is there but you're just I, uh, you know not paying not paying attention or not you know not thinking through what you know your actions of what you're doing right but that was right. that was always one of my pet peeves um and uh there used to be a line in every rule book that that a ref uh, let's see if i can get it right a ref through a referee through either action nor inaction shall alter the outcome of a game Something like that was in every rule book, and that rule doesn't exist anymore. And I don't know if they took it out because it didn't really mean anything or or what. Um, but I, I hate to see a call. And it's any sport, right? Not just paintball. I hate to see a call that's ticky tack or a judgment call or didn't get called that same way earlier affect the outcome of a game. Um, and again, it's, it's any sport. I'm not just talking about paintball here. Um, and again, refs are, are in most cases just trying to do their job. Uh, but sometimes the, the ref gets out of position and just completely alters the outcome of the game. And unfortunately, uh, as a player, nothing you can do about it. Um, now, and what you said this just a second ago is, is really important for for anybody who is who is a referee or or wants to be a referee, and that's consistency is the key. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're going to call, you know, a penalty on a pack hit early in the day, call it late in the day. Right. Or if you're going to let that slide, you got to let it slide or, or whatever it is, just be consistent. So the players know what to expect. And for, um, for goodness sake, if you're going to issue warnings, write them down and alert the rest of the ref crew. <laughs> so, the, so the same guy doesn't get the same warning six times. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, make 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 everybody know that a number forty two over there, you know, he had a warning on this, right? Um, and I'm all about, you know, kind of giving people when when it again when it doesn't have that negative impact on the game, you know, a mm-hmm. little benefit of the doubt. Hey, man, you know, uh, on the I saw you slide that one off or try to slide that one off. Let's let's not do that again, <laughs> you know, what I mean? or whatever it may be. Uh, obviously, still call him out, right? But you know, maybe you didn't call a major on that one this first time. But when he makes the same move again, eh, you've had the conversation, right? Right. Um, yeah, just be consistent, though. Definitely. So let's let's talk about the the etiquette of of how to address a referee. Um. And I know, I know me having this conversation is like one of the signs of the apocalypse. Uh, because I, I uh, 
did not know how to address a referee. And, and honestly, the, the season and a half I spent refing with you made me dislike referees more because I saw their mistakes and I'm like, I saw their mistakes more clearly. Um, and how easy it was I, I knew what they were supposed to be doing. Um, or what yeah. I felt they should have been doing. You know, I have, I've not always been the best at this, but I'll say this. If, if a number one, it, it should always be a single person, mm-hmm. whether it be Absolutely. the captain or the player involved. Right. I don't, I don't need the team coming up. This, this is not a group conversation. I need, I need the captain and their player involved. Right. But if somebody comes and say, Hey man, I don't think it's the right call. And here's why. Um, and you know what? They may be right. Um, but a lot of times they're not. And then you could say, look, here's what I saw. And here's why we called what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that way everybody's, you know, hey, it's not just, Hey, I made the call, get out. Cause I, I as a player, I hated that of like, <clears throat> I can't go have a conversation with you after the game. Like I'm not, I'm not talking about your mom, man. I just want to try to figure out what's going on here, you know? Right, right. Um, so if, again, if, especially if you're, if you're the player involved, you know, cause you're the one that's, that has the most knowledge of what the situation was. Hey, I'm not, I'm not sure it's the right call. Here's why I think that, that that's the case, or here's what I saw on my end, just whatever it may be, just explain why you're having that conversation and then let mm-hmm. them explain what's going on. And, you know, like we, like we said earlier, not every call is the right call. And there's been numerous times where I'm like, Oh, Hey man, um, I messed that up. That's, yeah. that's my fault. I'm sorry. I'll do this and this to make sure I don't do it again. Um, unfortunately the game is over, so I can't correct it, but you know, I, I really do appreciate letting me know. And we won't, you know, we as a group will try not to make that mistake again. There's been numerous times when I've pulled the whole crew, ref and crew in the middle of the field and say, Hey guys, here's where we messed this up. Oh yeah. I've been on one of those right. conversations. We we've all, we've all had that conversation. And if, For sure. if, if you are a, a head referee or, or somebody who is, is, is leading the group, you know, <clears throat> the best thing you can do multiple times throughout the day is pull that crew in and say, Hey, here's where I see, here's what we're doing. Well, here's what we should, what I think we should change. Maybe we move this guy here, reposition this guy, whatever it may be to keep that, keep everybody fresh, to keep everybody on the same page. Um, I, I used to like changing people around on the field. Uh, because if you had somebody who maybe wasn't as strong at what they did, uh, teams couldn't take advantage of it. Right. You know, Oh, I know, I know this guy right here. He's not, he's not going to look at what I'm doing or doesn't, doesn't pay attention to when I go to the side. Right. So I'm going to go, and, I'm going to go and, and take advantage of that guy. That happens some, right. And it's, it's kind of your responsibility as the head referee, even another active referee to realize what's going on and then make that change or pull the crew in and say, Hey, this is what's going on here, here, whatever. Um, you know, every ref wants to do a good job. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, nobody wants to, you know, get in the car at the end of the day after getting blasted all day and have people, you know, curse them all the way home. Right. Um, most every player wants to play a good, an honest game, you know, and, and even the ones that, that, that sometimes don't aren't doing that out of malice. They just, you know, maybe you didn't feel that whatever. Right. So, um, all that, and I don't know where, where I'm, I'm getting off topic, but um, 
that communication within your group is key. And, and if it keeping everybody on their toes and if you need to make changes, make them during the day, but again, consistency and, and make sure everybody's on the same page is what you want to, is really where you want to be. For sure. Yeah. And, and I kind of want to go back to the, to the etiquette thing. Um, oh, about having the I designated... totally forgot the question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, we, we ramble here. That's what we do. Um, have a designated arguer, right? Whether it's a, the captain or, or a coach or, or whomever, it, it's don't argue it in the heat of the moment, right? Definitely don't do it during the point because that's how more penalties happen. Um, you know, and don't things get up in a, in a ref's face at a, at a, at a scenario, right? Because that's right. how you get kicked out. Um, and if yeah, there's, you can't there's a time keep a, a calm head, go explain it to somebody on your team and let them go argue the point. And right. by argue, I mean, have the conversation, right? Actual argumentation right. versus screaming at each other. Sure. Um, well, again, you can have a discussion and, and you can, you can definitely have a disagreement and, and that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you can even be like, look, man, that's look. I, I kind of feel like, look, it's what's, what's done is done. I feel like that's, you know, I feel like that's, that's BS. I've had somebody say it to me before. I feel like that's BS, you know, um, and, and I feel like I was at the right end of that, of that argument, but you know, they didn't, and that's, that's fine. They're all, everybody's working on their opinions, but, um, that's okay. I didn't, I didn't think that guy's a bad dude. And I don't, I don't right. think people that come to talk to me in between points or after a point or after a game, I don't think that they're, you know, they're, they're just what we sometimes forget. And this goes back to the, the, the conversation about the grind. It's like, the players are people that are spending their hard-earned money and their time away from whatever else they've got in their life to come play this event. And maybe they've got $300 to get them through the week and they spent $250 this tournament. Right. You know, like, hey, I'm going to play this tournament and I'm eating ramen and drinking water the rest of the week because I'm playing this tournament. So like you, tap water, you, not even not even like good water. Not even bottom. No, you tap, right? Out of somebody's right. hose, right? So um, we sometimes forget that especially as we get older and get a little more disposable income sometimes but that mm-hmm. that's been all of us almost all of us at one point in time and so i don't get upset when people don't agree with what i do um because i in very rarely has somebody came up to me with um like complete disregard for how you talk to another human, you know what I mean? Right, um, right. It's happened, and it, at that point, what are you going to do? Hey, man, it's you just need to get off the field. Like this is this this talk isn't going to accomplish anything. You need to go off the field. We'll talk about it later. And then you know, a couple f bombs my way. All right, it's you know whatever. That's fine. Let's move on. Um, but how you how you come up to somebody after game is look. Here's what I saw. Here's what happened. Here's what I think should have happened. And the ref can say, well, here's what I saw. Here's what I call what I did. And that's right. all you can do. You know, and, and especially now with the way penalties get applied post point in X ball matches, you know, uh, you, you really have to be respectful if you think you're going to get your way on, on appealing something. And sometimes you get it your way and sometimes you don't. And you're still going to have to deal with that exact ref on the next point and the next match. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't, don't build up animosity. No. Um, no, and again, for, for people that have known me that are listening to this that are chuckling, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Trying not to know be that guy anymore. Uh, I actually know some refs' names now and laugh at them with the event. So it's, you know, I've turned over like a third of a new leaf. 
Um, I, I think, yeah, honestly, it's... most of my problem with arguing with Russ back in the day wasn't uh, that I was doing it. It's how I was doing it because I was rather, um, how do I put this, vulgar and ugly about it. <laughs> Look, we, we've all been there. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's we've all been there or wanted to be there at some point in time in our playing careers and tournament careers, right? I mean, it sucks to be on the bad end of a bad call. It right. also sucks to be on the rough end of a bad call. So For sure. Nobody wants that to happen. And, you know, having having won matches because of bad calls also doesn't feel great. No. Um, I mean, no. you'll take the win, right? Because it's a win. And the win of the tournament's a win. I'll but take the W. You, Right, but you feel so, you feel bad for the other team because that's either been you before or that could have been you in that exact moment. Yep. Or both. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, ha- having been on, on all three ends of that, right? The ref end, the, the beneficiary, and the, and the loser, all three of those are bad, and nobody wants to be in any of those spots. No. Um, so have some, some compassion for your fellow humans there when that sort of thing goes down. Um, and if you're the beneficiary of it, please don't gloat. Don't be that person. <laughs> it's not a good look. Not people, a good look. People will remember the gloat uh, way longer way more than, than the call. Remember yeah. the call. Yeah. All right. So, what advice would you give to somebody who says that they want to ref? Besides, wear protection. Um, kind of the same as you would do any new player because uh, you, you, you've got to learn the game basically from a different angle. So find mm-hmm. somebody who does it. And I guarantee you, if there's a, a referee at a local field or a tournament or whatever else that you just happen to, you know, hit it off with or what, even if you haven't, hey, I want to learn how to do this. Can you show me? 97 times out of 50 times, they're going to say yes. So, and that doesn't math, but that's, there's a reason why, because they're never going to say no. Um, that's better than Sex Panther cologne. <laughs> it, works, it works better than, than Sex Panther. Um, you know, find somebody that, that will teach you to do it. And again, my philosophy, which is the, the old man get off my porch philosophy, is if you can't see where the paint's coming, you're out of position. Mm-hmm. You, you can't ref or you can't adequately ref a player standing in one place all the time. You need to be able to see all sides of that person, if at all possible, or at least where the paint's coming from. And that may mean you're on the left side for a minute and you got to run around the bunker and take a couple and, you know, run around the right side of the bunker, whatever it may be. But um, you're going to get hit. Uh, It's not great, but it's part of it. And, um, you know, just remember that um, your, at the end of the day, your ultimate goal is to make sure the best team wins and everybody, you know, walks out of there thinking, all right, well, I didn't win today, but at least I didn't get hosed by the refing crew. Right. So right. Um, just keep that in mind. You know, I, I'm going to add to that, that um, if you're trying to learn how to play, whether it's scenario or competitive, learn to ref, right? Because I learned a lot from the season and a half that I, I rest while I was trying to rest what was left of my knee um, that I started seeing things on the field that I hadn't seen before. 
like moves oh, yeah. and angles and, and all sorts of things. Um, and, and every time I've taken up a new role, whether it's refing or coaching or scouting, it's made me a better player because I have a better understanding of the game. Um, and as a, as a scenario ref, you now have a better idea of how the rules work and you have a better idea where places can go on the field, where people can go on the field and how things work uh, and how to uh, engage the other team at angles that allow you to to be more successful. So take on all those roles, right? Wear all those hats because doing all of them is going to make you better at everything else. That's a great point. That's a great point. And you're, you're hundred percent correct. That if, if you were to ref, you know, we, like, so we back to the beginning of the conversation, we went, we refed rec ball and went and played a tournament that we've never played a tournament before and got, got a top five because we were just happened to, to be around paintball as much. So if you can't play, and there's a lot of times that I ref when I couldn't afford to play, it helped me afford to play. Um, but if you can't play and you still want to be involved, that's how you get, that's how you stay involved. Um, and you'll learn just as much, you know, refereeing, you know, even a, uh, a tournament practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that may be a place to start, by the way. If you want to learn how to do a refer tournament practice, you, you still have the intensity of a tournament, but people don't have the expectation that it's going to be perfect. Right. And you have some slightly longer breaks between games to help figure out what happened and have conversations and, and yep. get tweaks and everything else. So that, that's a great point. If you're trying to learn how to, how to ref tournaments, go to a practice. That could be a tournament practice, right? Just any practice where they're, where they're running points, um, running games. So. Uh, yeah, that, that's great. So I, I think, I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover on this. Um, before we jump to final thoughts, is there anything else you wanted to cover? No, um, no, I, I think I, I've, I've been out of, of the game for a while, you know, working on, you know, raising a kid who spends every weekend, you know, playing soccer and, and wants to go play in college. So that's, it's kind of where my, my focus has been. And, and these last few events that I've come back and raft, it's, it's great to see um, that the fire and the players are still there. Um, you know, I, I do appreciate, uh, you know, kind of what you guys are doing with the young bucks and those kids. Um, I wish that we had more, and, and this is just in our in our region. So if people are listening outside of, of Oklahoma, this this may or may not apply to you. But if if you're an older, experienced player, right, it it will do good in your life to find a group of kids and teach them the sport you love. Mm-hmm. Just if if you want to get back in, but don't think you can make that run to the fifty anymore, find the kid that can and teach him how to do it. Um, that's a good way to get back into the sport and to give back to the sport um, that I think we should be doing more of. Absolutely. Um, anytime you want to come out to a young bucks practice and uh, impart wisdom, you're more than welcome. Yeah. would love, love to do it. When Craig, like so when Craig's getting his guys, I'd go, I'd go help them out too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So it, it sounds like you kind of just gave us your final thoughts, unless there's something else you want to throw out here. <laughs> no, I mean, I can ramble on for a long time, but I, I think that's, that's probably it. Yeah. I think the more we ramble, the more chance we have of this not 
uh, staying PG-13 because I think we're yeah. going to start telling stories. And yeah, um, for sure. this is not that podcast. I I will say I will say this. Let me let me kind of go back in history. <clears throat> I was uh, the ultimate referee for the first three bunker fests. Um, I hate tournaments in San Antonio in the summer. <laughs> so if you live in San Antonio in the summer, I hate it. Uh, oh God, I've <laughs> never been so dehydrated in my life. No, no, oh. it's. I'm. I am surprised, and this is. Uh, it, I keep peach thirteen, but I'm surprised. Literally, we did not have more people at that event. Like fall out in an ambulance it's especially the the refs that are out on the field all day long and i told the guys way back then hey man this job sucks like thanks for doing what you're doing right and if any of them are listening now thanks again for doing it uh because we did not get paid enough and we did not get enough water and it was way too hot for all that nonsense but uh again it's not that mondo wasn't bringing us water we just couldn't get enough into us couldn't drink fast enough, but it's yeah. again it's one of those things where wouldn't trade it, right? Oh, no, don't no, want to give I'd that memory that. up. Yeah. It's part of the grind. It's part of what makes us who we are, and and, I, and we should all. I, I hope we all have that an opportunity of someone like that in our in our careers. Absolutely, that's also the event where I learned never leave your goggles face down in the sun because <laughs> that's how you put an oven over your eyeballs. <laughs> it's also. Uh, that the one we learned to liberally apply powder. Uh, no, you'd already told me about about snow Got fairies it. before that. Thankfully, Got it. Got it. Um, <laughs> we're not going to have that conversation either because once again, PG thirteen. Um, but yeah, no. Thankfully, you had you had told me the beauty of snow fairies uh, well before that, uh, and and Correct. I can't thank you enough for that. For of all the things you taught me, <laughs> I think that was the most important. <laughs> Menthol gold bond powder. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I bought the yeah. extra strength once. That was almost a mistake, but it was still did the uh, still did the job. <laughs> Not telling yeah. the rest of that story either. Anyway, oh, we're no. gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna edit one of these for once. Anyway, okay. So my turn. Um, closing thoughts. Yeah, get out, ref. Uh, if you're going to ref, know that that parts of the job aren't fun. Um. But you'll get to see things you don't normally get to see. You'll get to see people you don't normally get to see. Um, you'll get to go places you don't normally get to go. Um, and you will mm-hmm. you will connect with a group of people that you're working with, whether this is a, uh, a scenario or working as a, a ref employee at a field or, or refing tournaments. Uh, you'll, you'll connect with guys that you're going to have stories about, whether it's on or off the field, uh, for quite some time. Um, do it right do it with integrity, uh, do it going full speed and, and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just like I would tell a player. Um, and if the grumpy old man with the beard gets up in your face, tell him to go sit down and come back when he's calmed down. Um, but yeah, get out there, learn the game, support the game, love the game, grow the game. Uh, because as we say, there is no next. <laughs>